Hello, this is Karsten Lay from Asia PMO. Welcome to our Asia PMO podcast, Transform Your Business. Today, with an amazing guest, Miss Fee from Vietnam Angel Network, the chairwoman of A Vietnam Angel Network. And we are happy to speak about post-COVID startup scene in Vietnam. What's going on in the post-COVID startup scene? Uh, Miss Fee, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Carsten. Very happy to be on the show. Um, so my full name is Nguyen Phi Văn, and um, um, I currently chair the Angel, Vietnam Angel Network um, of, of um, Angel Investors into Startups in Vietnam and also a board director of the ASEAN Angel Alliance Network. Um, and we have like up to about 5,000 members across the ASEAN all investing into startups across the region at the moment. So we will probably try to get at the end of the show a tip for a good investment. But let's let's see if we can get there. Good to know. Okay. So let's start with the first question. How is the startup scene in Vietnam and Southeast Asia evolving the last years? So where do you mm. see some trends? Where is it going? Mm. So I probably go back to... Um, Uh, if you talk about startup, um, Vietnam only started um, this whole campaign about being a startup nation about five years ago. Um, and so you see the first three years of first generation founders, very young, out of universities, you know, um, not knowing anything much and uh, not being afraid of anything much because they don't know much to, to be afraid of. Um, so then you have thousands and thousands of startups um, being established in Vietnam, um, uh, but not much are coming out of that. So you see the quantity. But what's happening um, after COVID, I have to say, is that you start seeing a lot more quality startups um, out of the pipeline, uh, less in quantity, more in quality. And you also start seeing a lot more mature founders. So what I mean by mature founders would be professionals who have, you know, uh, done five, 10 years in a big corporation somewhere uh, now starting up. Um, and they know what the uh, market is all about, what the system is all about, and know how to scale their um, their startups using the professional uh, management system. Um, so very different from the first generation of founders who are very young um, and um, fearless, uh, but not having enough experience to actually scale their startups. Um, these mature founders um, are very experienced, very professional. Um, a lot of them are Vietnamese returning from overseas. Um, but I also start seeing quite a few founding group um, or founders team um, that is a mix of Vietnamese and foreigners. So that's very interesting to say because that's where I think ideas um, and innovation comes from um, across um, mix of um, perspectives and, and cultures and, uh, and approach. Um, and, and I also see um, after COVID, quite a few um, industries have been trending up uh, and a lot of people are actually looking or focusing onto these industries uh, at the moment. Um, I think food tech 
uh, obviously we get locked down so a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of our food needs to come from packaged food and delivery last mile delivery stuff like that so um, a lot in food tech fintech obviously because of uh, online payment and digital payment um, and, uh, and and recently Vietnam uh, has been talked about by the international community about blockchain obviously because of the gaming industry so you see a lot of fintech happening. Uh, health tech, obviously, because um, of the COVID um, situation um, and because of social distancing a lot on edtech um, education um, and um, and uh, all of those are all of those have been um, existing in the ecosystem before, but um, post COVID or during the pandemic and post pandemic, um, they have been very much the focus of a lot of angel investors as well as well as VCs. That's interesting when you say five years ago, that's when I joined Lazada. And Lazada, of course, is not a homegrown startup. It was brought mm -hmm. in um, with via Singapore or via Western countries, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I also see always a little bit of weakness. I saw them all, what you say, that we had Vietnamese uh, people who tried startup, then we had overseas Vietnamese who tried it alone, who had mm. probably a very high education background and money, but they lacked completely the understanding of Vietnam. Mm. Yeah? And then we had foreigners directly trying it, which is mm. also very difficult. And I think you made a very good point that the most successful ones are the ones who have now mixed teams on yeah. it. Right, mm -hmm. who say, yeah. okay, we have people, we have in the founder team people who were born in Vietnam and who know the markets very well and the culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. Vietnam, 10 years being here, a foreigner, is still a very uh, special culture to me, right? <laughs> getting into it, getting in the understanding, um, not going so fast on Western trends, maybe like other countries in the regions, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. Having something like Salo, like a own chat system, which yeah. In Germany, we use WhatsApp. We only use American system, right? We never yeah. had the idea. Vietnam can be very proud of that. So mm. I think that's 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 a very good point that we have to mix teams, right? Mm. But it's also, in the regionally speaking, is the focus still a lot on Ho Chi Minh City now? Or are we seeing now more focus, let's say, Da Nang, Hanoi? Do you see also there a development? Mm. Um, it's interesting that you asked that question because um, when we started the ecosystem here in Vietnam, uh, it's always been Ho Chi Minh City first and then Hanoi and then a little bit of Da Nang along the way. But um, I think right now, um, if you talk about the starting point, um, startups are still very much um, bootstrapping from where their province or their, their, home, their home province is but they tend to move into big cities um, like Ho Chi Minh City, which is a hub of startups of the whole country um, because it's easier to access capital, network, people, mentors for support um, from, from big cities um, where a lot is happening. So you see all these startup pitches and networking events and um, get togethers and all of that. And you, you go to one event, you basically get to meet all of the ecosystem stakeholders. Um, so it does make a difference, um, to have your startup base in a big city like Ho Chi Minh City or Hanoi. However, um, another trend that I start seeing is that, um, a few of the startups are now starting from overseas 
um, before they come back and expand in the Vietnamese market. The case of Axie Infinity that just um, uh, got announced as a, as a third unicorn um, is, is such. Um, and um, because we have more professional and, prof- uh, and mature founders, they really know where they want to be and what they want to be, um, you know, when they scale their startup. So they have that strategy at the very beginning of, um, of getting forming the startup together. So some of them even um, register their startup in Singapore or Hong Kong even before um, they go to investors and start pitching the, the first ideas. Yeah, we also see that we got lately in touch with KMS Technology and mm-hmm. they, are, they told us they build ventures and sub-companies and they are all, um, they are all licensed in the U.S. And mm-hmm. partly the team or investors or even management team is partly in the U.S. because they are yeah. not eyeing to sell anything in the even Asian market. They want yeah. to sell on the, on the American market, the technology. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. also see their... Uh, a regional limitless, right? That uh, it's not so focused anymore just to build something up and first roll it out in Vietnam. Very yeah. mm. mm-hmm. yeah. true. Speaking about COVID, I mean, we always have the impression that startups shouldn't have a problem because they were already agile. They were already uh, work from home. The, their developers <laughs> sit around the world in any basement. But yeah. do you do you see things where even startups had to adapt during COVID or struggle during COVID? Obviously, um, as you say, they don't have any problems with um, their working style or being agile, but then they face other problems. Um, example would be a self-sustaining mindset versus burning cash. So startups used to just burn cash, get a lot of cash out of the investors and you get to burn it, um, which is a great job to have. Um, but during COVID, <laughs> investors are very much conscious about cash. Um, so they would like to see that startups um, setting the, the first milestones in getting their customers, getting paid, um, uh, scaling their businesses. So a lot of uh, sustainability is put into, into focus. Um, and because of that, a lot of the startups will, even my startups in my portfolio, will have to um, change their approach and think about ways that they can open up new channels of revenue, approach new customers, uh, create new uh, um, you know, services from their models to be able to to gain cash and revenue uh, from, from for their startup um, even at the very beginning. Um, secondly, I think um, um, quite a few startups in Vietnam when they go into the scaling mode, um, I have to say that they lack the experience of how to scale um, uh, at the very beginning, and then when you when COVID hit. Is double is doubling down on the difficulties to scale because now you you can't travel you can't meet people um, you can't make pitches um, physically so you you have to do everything online um, you have to think about new ways of forming partnerships uh, you probably have to think about new bite size um, customized co creation programs with your partners. Um, you have to think about new and diverse revenue channels. So um, you really have to uh, rethink about your model and your uh, business approach. Um, and and uh, a lot of the time, a lot about data and, and customer experience. How do you create experience now um, that um, everyone is online or at home instead of being anywhere? Um, I think uh, a bit of that innovation in their scaling approach. 
Um, and uh, also um, because COVID hit, um, scaling is getting more difficult. Uh, business development is 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 very a totally new word. The importance of investors um, become very different. Uh, it's not just about financial anymore. It's about their in kind. Um, you know, experiences that they bring to the table. So like their networks, their market experience, their development experience, their on-demand mentorship. Um, uh, there used to be that, you know, uh, and that seems to be, you know, good to have very value added sort of um, add on to um, a financial investor. But during COVID, and uh, that becomes the focus, because if you don't know where to go and how to move and how to change and adapt, you probably um, die before you even get the next uh, bag of cash out of any investor. So the, the startups really need to adapt to finding investors that are backing them up in terms of business experience. And we, we also see that a little bit when we as consultants um, deal with startups, mm -hmm. and especially in like legal and also finance capabilities, they are not very built up yet, right? mm -hmm. that they are lacking talents there. I mean, a lot of startup talents, when they start, they are on the market side, they are on the development side. And mm -hmm. probably back office is, is not that sexy, right? For in yeah. the startup world. So nobody wants to be on the back office side. And now you say investors should bring their expertise in there. I mean, does that mean that investors are more and more, um, take the role as controllers, like uh, finance controllers or like on, on a board level or how does that work? Yeah, I think the board level is the, is the correct um, word that you just used. Um, uh, they need to be more involved. So uh, being uh, very hands-on in, in terms of mentoring, uh, in terms of advising. And if uh, like myself, if I need, because I invest into early stage startups, if I see something is really wrong and if not, no one in the team is actually fixing it, that I will have probably have to lead that particular project as well, just to just to show people how to do it the professional way or how to scale it um, to the next level. Um, so being more hands-on, being more involved as a mentor and an advisor or a board director. Yeah, and uh, so we need we need the 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 investors have to be more involved. That's what you say, right? They should be more. Um, is that is that possible? I mean, if I mean you are an investor and you you are in Vietnam, maybe that's easier. But if you are like an American investor, you are twelve hours away, and we see that. I mean, we have also clients like that where we have eleven a, eleven p.m. calls or two a.m. calls. <laughs> is that even? still feasible in this world or is it then more also advisable from your side to say look better for local investors than to go to every cedars or any platform to have too many international investors is there also a trend or how do you see that um i would say um for international for domestic angel investors and VCs, they don't have a problem because they don't have that sort of distance or uh, differences in time zone. Mm. Uh, but for international VCs and angel investors, uh, it's a different story. So angel investors, they normally invest into syndicate fund 
or they can co-invest with a local investor. So that's what we uh, basically promote very strongly across the ASEAN at the moment is um, I will co-invest with you uh, if you find a startup in Malaysia and I would like to, to pair up with you to invest. And then there will be two angel investors investing into startup together, one from Vietnam, one from Malaysia and vice versa. Uh, that and also angel syndicate funds. So put, people put the, their money together into a fund and then we will have our local experts to basically um, go and scan and do uh, the due diligence process and also to mentor the startups and support startups um, as needed. For international VCs, um, in recent years, they don't just find startups and invest financially and let the startups run by themselves anymore. They start investing into accelerators, incubators, support team in Vietnam um, to be able to support their startups that they have, they have invested in because they understand that, you know, only with financial support, the startups will go nowhere because they lack a lot of um, experiences or skills or knowledge about international markets and how to manage and scale their businesses as well. So um, even though they are international VCs, they always have support programs run by local experts in Vietnam to support. And we see, we saw the last three, four, five years, a lot of these accelerators and uh, startup zone networking groups. I don't know. Yeah. There are a lot of companies coming up uh, yeah. or even organizations which are funded by foreign governments. I see. Mm -hmm. I know some which are Canadian backed, some which are Israeli backed and so on. Right. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of these Correct. accelerators coming in uh, from different countries, also from, from Asian countries who help on the ground directly to startups, yeah? Yeah, I have to say um, before the pandemic in 2019, I probably um, received um, easy anywhere from two to three delegations, international delegations from different governments uh, in different regions of the world coming to Vietnam, looking at Vietnam as a, um, uh, a test bed for their startups because we have very big population here in Vietnam as a market um, and also to to um, put their foot down into Vietnam as the, um, you know, as the first destination to get into the ASEAN. Um, previously, people would probably very much go to Singapore, but Singapore is becoming very expensive and Vietnam has a big market as well as um, lower operational cost. Um, so a lot of the government agencies in the world um, are looking at Ho Chi Minh City as the, um, as the local um, destination for the whole region. Mm -hmm. and we see that also because, I mean, in the last 10, 15 years, Vietnam and also the population got more tech affin, right? Before everybody said you have to try it in Singapore because mm -hmm. they know tech. You can, yeah. you can test tech there, yeah. but it's not true anymore. I mean, also countries like Vietnam, Philippines, Indonesia, especially in the cities, are mm. catching up on the tech savviness and even are having now the developer pool where they are, people are recruited from. Yeah. So that's correct. We, that's we, correct. We see a similar trend on that. Yeah. 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 That's very true. And speaking about Vietnam, the last question, um, you already said, what are the trends? I mean, ed tech, food tech is going very strong. I mean, I'm not still very convinced about food tech, honestly. I mean, <laughs> 
not so professionally coming yet to food here <laughs> in Ho Chi Minh City, honestly. Um, <laughs> but where do you see more trends for these when you say governments to come in or what, what, where they are looking at to invest here? Mm. Um, Governments-wise, um, I mean, uh, the government used to play a role of um, trying to complete the ecosystem. So um, they not only create policies for the startup ecosystem to work, but also um, create a lot of platforms and opportunities for the various ecosystem stakeholders to get together and to work with each other. So um, the first phase of development of the ecosystem in Vietnam was that way. Now it's the second phase. And the second phase is the phase where the government should not be involved too much, but you, ha you have to let the private stakeholders actually take the lead. Um, and you need to now complete the ecosystem. So you used to talk about startups, institutions, uh, investors, um, universities and all that, um, but completely missing big corporations and small and medium enterprises in that particular formula. Um, you know, big corps are still very much, uh, very much away from the ecosystem the, and the SMEs have no idea what's going on in the startup world. Um, so right now, I think the government is focusing very much on how to um, create the merge between the startup ecosystem and the big corporation and SMEs so that SMEs and big corps can also benefit from the innovation and the, and the new techs coming out of the startups. But at the same time, startups could also find um, big clients um, and, and, and test beds um, for, their, for their pilots. Um, I think if that happens, um, that will probably bring a new wave of, um, of innovation into Vietnam. Um, but it's happening very slowly, I have to say, Kasten, um, because big corporations are very slow in uh, integrating, um, very, very risk averse and, um, you know, take a lot of time to decide what they want to do next. So um, it's happening. I can see that a few big crops in Vietnam are already involved in the ecosystem, but very much those that have tech background, um, those that have traditional industries like FMCG or retail or healthcare are slowly getting into the ecosystem at the moment. Yeah, I fully agree on that. We see that <laughs> more happening on banking and tech, not, not because we are so much into these companies, but we, as consultants, we get asked to help them to build agile, agile centers. So mm. some, some big bands, even in Hanoi, they are mm. approaching us and say, can you build an, an agile organization for us? And that's mm. where you see they are getting then open to interact yeah. with startups, right? Because yeah. they first have to build their own infrastructure there. But it's, yeah. it's, it's maybe in tech, maybe a little bit in banking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was great. Thank you so thank you so much for your insights on the uh, Southeast Asian Vietnamese um, startup scene. And thank you for being on the show.